0: Hello and welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles, the coronavirus edition. Uh, you are listening to us via podcast as McAllister College, as you know by now, has closed for the semester. And so our studio time is now at home. Uh, as we always do, uh, we've got our velodrome news to kick things off. And the good news is uh, the Olympics have been rescheduled formally for next summer. And everyone who has qualified so far here in the U.S. and around the world has qualified for the Games, and there will be no new qualifications uh, for those those riders. So uh, good news for all the track cyclists here because the U.S. has got a very strong team, and we're excited to see them on the Olympic stage coming up. Um, for this week's podcast, we've got a great guest, uh, Dorian Grilly from the Bicycle Alliance of Minnesota is here. Dorian, welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Great to have you back.
0: I uh, looked back in the archives and it uh, looked like almost a year and a half ago you were on the show for the first time and uh, a, lot of, a lot of stuff has changed.
1: <laughs> wow, that, that's for sure. Um, I'm coming, coming to you from my home office.
0: Yeah, as uh, as are many of us uh, who are both bicy- cyclists and non-cyclists, obviously. Um, during before we jump into this, a lot of stuff, I, I do want to talk a lot about what uh, uh, what the world looks like for cyclists these days. But um, for those people who aren't familiar with Bicycle Alliance in Minnesota, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you guys do?
1: Sure. Uh, the Bicycle Alliance of Minnesota was formed in 2008. We are a statewide education and advocacy organization that works with communities uh the state the administration uh to try and ensure uh policies and funding uh for bicycling and walking at the legislature and that communities uh do do more than just build stuff uh and hope that people come uh to be a bike-friendly community you really need to uh Uh, Do some education work, uh, do some encouragement work, evaluate your investments, and also make sure the law enforcement community is involved to make sure that they're equitably equitably enforcing the laws for everyone. Um, The League of American Bicyclists has now designated 31 bike-friendly communities in every corner of Minnesota, including Minneapolis uh, as gold, Uh, Grand Marais, Fergus Falls, and St. Paul are silver, and all the rest are at the introductory level of bronze.
0: Well, that's that's an exciting number. How how much has that number of 31 bike-friendly cities grown over the last few years?
1: Uh, It seems to grow by uh, four or five every year. Um, We have been working very closely with our public health partners, And a group that we worked with uh, uh, American Heart Association, Minnesotans for Healthy Kids Coalition, to form called the Minnesota Mayoral Active Transportation Caucus, meaning uh, those are mayors from all over Minnesota that understand that bicycling and walking is important everywhere uh, outside the urban core, and that biking and walking should be part of any transportation funding package passed by the state legislature, and actually Congress too in Washington D.C. Wow!
0: And and so, are you directly involved with those efforts in uh, D.C.?
1: Uh, yes, we are. We've been uh, working very closely with people, people for bikes and the League of American Bicyclists. Um, and as you may have heard, uh, the the second round of the stimulus package may include a large infrastructure bill, and we want to make sure that biking and walking, uh, the program is called Transportation Alternatives, and Safe Routes to School as part of that, um, is reauthorized at the same level that it was in 2012, inflation adjusted, um, when it was cut by 30 percent. So we're hoping to get it back up to 100 percent um, with this uh, authorization of a transportation bill that would be part of a, a stimulus package.
0: Is, uh, uh, is the, the uh, legislation due now or is, is it about to expire or is it just kind of a regular re- recurrence and you're just trying to make sure it stays in there?
1: It's... Usually a six-year authorization, and depending on the politics in Washington, D.C., which everyone knows are kind of crazy, um, uh, it it goes through many uh, six-month or one-year extensions before they reauthorize it again. Um, but this time, I think they're serious about actually reauthorizing it at a higher level. Uh, it has the president's support. Uh, it would put a lot of people to work, and there's a fair amount of evidence out there that says that small infrastructure projects put a lot more people to work per dollar um, than large infrastructure projects. So that's, our, that's the case we have for doing uh, things like safe routes to school and the transportation alternatives. That's
0: really yeah, that's really cool, and it's it's good to know that you've got a positive environment, more or less, uh, relatively speaking, I guess, at uh, at the Capitol in in D.C. That's uh, it, right. it seems like there's been a nice evolution over time with that.
1: Yeah, it seems to be a fairly bipartisan thing with a lot of support on both sides of the aisle.
0: That's great. Well, obviously, we've got a lot of things that are going on recently here in Minnesota, and um, the. Governor's um, Executive Order 2020, which was uh, designed to identify the the essential uh, types of businesses here in the state, included bike shops. Uh, So I'm curious to know what that means for bike shops and for cyclists, and and how did that come to be included? It's not a universal thing where where business has been identified.
1: Yes, it was... uh, uh Uh, We were very happy uh, to have worked with the Commissioner of Transportation, uh, the MnDOT General Counsel, and the Governor's Office to uh, make sure that biking and walking and other outdoor activities were included uh, as essential activities so we aren't trapped in our home, Um, of course, provided we practice social distancing, which, (laughs) as many of you probably have noticed, uh, is kind of a challenge on a, on a 10 foot or an eight foot trail. There's a lot of people out biking yeah. and walking late. Um, but we, uh, uh, we found some other executive orders that had been issued just a couple days beforehand in Illinois and New York, um, and New York had issued one, uh, that said bike shops are closed, uh, on Friday. And then governor Cuomo, um, uh rescinded that and said on saturday and said bike shops are open so uh there wasn't a lot of politicking involved here we have a very supportive uh department of transportation and as i've maybe shared with you before uh governor walls rides uh has a couple bikes and they're very nice bikes that he rides
0: it's uh, it's reassuring to know that we've got somebody at the at the top of the food chain, so to speak, who's uh, recognizes the importance of bikes uh, for exercise, but but transportation. You know, I don't I don't know that it would at least in my personal sense is that it wouldn't have been uh, as easy for him to identify bike shops as essential just for exercise, but you know the idea of so many people getting to work on. On bikes right. um, is is critical, especially when you think about mass transit. Right? I mean, not a right. lot of people want to get on a bus with a bunch of people that they don't know.
1: <laughs> so Right. And we've worked very hard to emphasize that point. That uh, uh, there's a lot of people who are going to work uh, now and cleaning the stores that are essential for us to get our food and uh, and and home goods. Um, and they're working from 9 or 10 at night to 4 or 5 in the morning Mm -hmm. when transit service is very limited, um, and many of these people uh, uh, are dependent on transit, and I think that's really important that they have that option to be able to walk or bike um, to work. And so we made sure that that was an important part of our message for the executive Mm -hmm. order.
0: Well, obviously, it obviously was successful, which is uh, you know a, a credit to you and and your team on the lobbying side for sure. Thank uh, you. Thank one you. of the things, one of the things I've uh, seen, obviously here in Minneapolis, and I know Duluth too, is closed some parkways. You talked about the space constraints for on the paths, so a lot of the roads around some of our parks and and lakes are are closed now. Um, what have you What have you been hearing from people who have been taking advantage of that? Anything yet?
1: Well. Yes, uh, I think the people in Duluth are pretty happy that three and a half miles of roadway are closed, um, so there is a fair amount of space up there, but it seems like the advocates in Minneapolis are not happy with just the, the riverfront in downtown on the, on the northeast side being closed, and there's a petition cir- circulating right now to close the entire West River Road from downtown Minneapolis to Minnehaha Park. No uh, as I mentioned, i've I've been out bicycling, um, and the gateway trail uh, in the northeast part of town here is uh, is very crowded on a nice day. and in mm-hmm. the last couple of nice days, it's been very, very crowded. So I actually went out and rode on the road.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I uh, we've we've had that same experience in South Minneapolis where Lake Nokomis just recently closed, and until that happened, it was yeah, I mean you couldn't really be less than you know three feet away from each other because right. there were so many people out, and you know it's 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 tricky. So I'm glad to glad to know that there's more of a move to continue that effort. Uh, and you know, it's interesting, you mentioned, uh, that you rode out on the road. Are you, are you as an organization recommending that people use, uh, the, the street or the road as opposed to the, the trails and paths?
1: Well, Bicycle Alliance of Minnesota has always advocated that bicycling and walking are, are transportation. And, and for that reason, um, we advocate for, uh, uh, safe rules of the road. Um, we've worked with the legislature to amend some policy language to try and make sure that biking and walking uh, the uh, rules are are safe and tilted in favor of the vulnerable user or the bicyclist or or pe- uh, pedestrian. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a we had a fair amount of stuff queued up at the legislature this year. Uh, a bill that. Uh, had quite a few bicycle-friendly policy provisions in it, had passed the Minnesota House 122 to nothing wow. uh, in 2019, and we were uh, hoping that it would pass the Minnesota Senate this year because for sure Governor Walls would have signed it. Um, but uh, the, the COVID-19 pandemic took over uh, before, before we could get it through the policy committees at the legislature and uh, looks like we'll probably have to wait another year.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, it's happened to a lot of organizations. And uh, so have you gotten anything through in this time other than, um, you know, the the executive order? I mean, has any of your legislation moved forward or is everything just at a standstill up there?
1: Uh, Everything is at a standstill. Um, We are still hoping that uh, the Minnesota legislature Will convene and pass uh, a bonding bill, and the bonding bill is where they borrow to pay for infrastructure projects or uh, planning for infrastructure projects. Which I know uh, the velodrome is uh, the proposed velodrome in Northeast Minneapolis is one. Um, mm-hmm. We also had really wonderful bipartisan agreement and having the Republican Senate Chair of the uh, capital investment or bonding committee. Dave him from Rochester to be our chief author for Safe Routes to School. Mm-hmm. And the House Chair, Mary Murphy from Duluth, was also uh, the chief author for a Safe Routes to School uh, grant program bill. Uh, that program is administered by MnDOT. And usually they have enough money to fund 15 to 25 percent of the requests that are coming in from around the state. So, uh, we're hoping that the the legislature will kick a little bit more money into that pot too.
0: That's great. Do you have any sense of what when the bonding bill and those those other bills might come to the floor, or are they going to have? I mean, I'm just really curious to know what their process is going to be around their everyday legislation, given that they don't show up to, for work on a regular basis.
1: Yes, yeah, I've I've just heard recently, or just today, that actually that some of the committees are going to begin meeting virtually, um, and so things may be changing at the Capitol. Um, and 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 actually not at the Capitol. People are going to be joining meetings from their homes, um, and uh, but I think even in the best of circumstances, the bonding bill is one of the last things to be negotiated. It's a, yep. it's a deal that's negotiated uh, this year. It was assumed that we were going to have a budget surplus, which of course has evaporated uh, uh, with all the Unemployment expenses and uh, uh, COVID nineteen pandemic mm-hmm. costs, um, and and so the the but the bonding bill I think will still be something that's negotiated at the end of the session, which is scheduled to be the third Monday in May or mid May. Mm-hmm.
0: So we're about six weeks away still before they have to make those final. Right decisions, yeah. So right. a lot could change. I mean, as <laughs> as we've seen, you know, uh, you can't count on much from one day to the next. So who knows that we might get past this and back to somewhat of a semblance of order over there.
1: Yes. And, and I think there is broad consensus that uh, 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 a capital investment or construction infrastructure uh, bill is a good thing to do to get, to pe- get people back to work after mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the stay-at-home order is lifted.
0: Absolutely, um, and you, you talked a little bit about in- infrastructure earlier at the at the local level. Um, and I know there have been a lot of moves, uh, things like the uh, Ida Mill Road in Saint Paul and Lyndale Avenue in Minneapolis, where they're starting to think about uh, making some major modifications to incorporate cycling and and uh, walking into the infrastructure. Uh, how much are you involved in in that process?
1: um we're really not involved at the at the local level um there is a group called the st paul bicycle coalition which is actually a chapter of the bicycle alliance of minnesota Mm -hmm. and they are very involved at the uh in st paul and the way the bicycle alliance functions is we have you know we're the keeper of the statewide database and the messaging um so when the st paul bike coalition says We need to have everybody call their city councilor about uh, uh, the Ed Road project. Um, We send out an email action alert. And uh, uh, it actually is quite effective, especially in St. Paul, because we have so many email addresses from the St. Paul Classic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other parts of the state, we don't have quite that concentration. But uh, when something needs to get done in St. Paul in support of bicycling um it's it's uh, something that we can we can handle and of course minneapolis too yeah um, but as you know we have very very supportive uh uh leaders and city councils in both of those communities so both minneapolis and st paul
0: yeah, it's, it's interesting to see those kinds of things evolving over time. Because um, you're right, we do have strong leaders um, that are pushing the uh, the agenda for cyclists and you know active transportation. And you know one of the things that we've noticed, at least in with um, Lyndale Avenue, is the overlapping of jurisdictions. You know, Lyndale Avenue I think has three bosses. I think it's both. Right. The, I think it's a state, county, and a local road. Uh, which makes those things kind of interesting. And you obviously work a lot with with MnDOT um, for a lot of your activities as an organization. Do you uh, get involved with them in some of those local things where they share jurisdiction with the local communities?
1: Yes, we do have a great relationship with MnDOT. And um, uh, the Bicycle Alliance does advocate, uh, especially when Uh, The road is is like Lindale Avenue in Minneapolis or in so many towns uh, and regional centers in Minnesota, uh, the state highway is Main Street. Right. Um, And we want to make sure that Main Street is an accessible place for people to walk and bike.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, and I don't know if this is still true, but at, at one point in the not-too-distant past, uh, Central Avenue in, in northeast Minneapolis was the only state highway that actually had bike lanes striped on it. Has, right. has that changed?
1: Uh, yes, it has. Yes, Great. it has. There's a, There's a state highway and a county road that cross in downtown Little Falls, and both have bike lanes on them. And there are quite a few others uh, elsewhere in Minnesota. Uh, They just rebuilt downtown Glenwood, Minnesota, as a complete street. Uh, And you may have been through St. Peter, uh, Mm -hmm. where Gustavus Adolphus College is. uh, And parts of uh, U.S. Highway 169, which is a MnDOT road, um, uh, have bike lanes on them in St. Peter, too. So there are bike lanes quite in quite a few places, actually.
0: That's great. You know, it's really exciting to see so many of these smaller towns uh, really embracing uh, cycling around around Minnesota.
1: Yeah, and and one of my favorite things is, uh, uh, although it was delayed, uh, the old Stillwater Bridge is going to become the first non-motorized state highway in the state. Uh, So I'm pretty excited about that when they cut the ribbon. I'll certainly be there when they cut the ribbon uh, this spring, or it may now get the (laughs) latest out this summer.
0: They're going to have to have a really big scissors for a social distancing situation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't wait to ride over that bridge, too. I actually rode over it, uh, boy, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. I was supporting a group of uh, runners who were on the uh, uh, Ragnar Relay. And I was riding alongside the night runners uh, and got to ride it across the bridge uh, into Stillwater. Uh, and that was a pretty fun experience. So I'm excited to do it yeah. when it's just for us.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the new bridge actually has a very nice bicycling lane. And hopefully um, uh, with only a few minor uh, gaps right now, uh, there'll, be, there'll be a loop with the new bridge, a totally off-road loop with the new bridge and the old bridge and still water.
0: That's fun. Do you know, do you have any idea how long that loop will be? I think it's eight or 10 miles. Nice. It's a beautiful ride too. Yes. Yes. Well, I that's, agree. that's, that's exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to the chance to, to ride that loop. Um, a lot of things you guys do are outside the twin cities. I mean, obviously we we have a hotbed of, uh, uh, activity here in the twin cities but outstate you're working with schools and and communities on your walk bike fun program and i'm sort of curious to know where that stands for the spring what's uh, what's been happening for you there
1: well actually we've been working very hard to take our walk bike fun curriculum uh online and uh and and make it possible for the teachers to do distance learning With some of the walking and biking safety lessons, and for those of those who don't know, uh, Walk Bike Fun is an elementary school safety curriculum that the Bicycle Alliance developed with Blue Cross Blue Shield and MNDOT. And we uh, about six years ago, and we've spent the last five and a half years implementing it. Uh, We have using the train the trainer model, and we have trained about 800 educators. To use the curriculum, and they're reaching about eighty thousand kids a year, which is wow. it's just so yeah. That's what I say. Uh, it's very exciting. I'm very happy with that number. Um, I think we're approaching forty to forty-five percent of the of the kids in Minnesota um, that are that are getting that curriculum, um, and. And the the target audience is uh, first, second, third grade for the walking safety part of it and fourth, fifth or sixth grade for the bicycling safety part of it. And the bike safety part of it actually has seven, I think it's seven classroom lessons that are 45 minutes in length um, and then three on-bike lessons, two which are parking lot and, and skills drills and then the third of, uh, is a ride around town, of course, with uh, parental permission slips signed. But yep. uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm just so excited about that because um, uh, I think it's a way to expose everybody to biking and walking. Um, and, of course, there some school districts that take it even a step further, like Minneapolis is mm-hmm. working very hard to make sure kids don't leave. First or second grade, without being able to ride a, b- a bicycle, um, and they also um, for uh, uh, disabled kids um, with a physical disability, uh, they are they have quite a fleet of adaptive bikes, um, whether they're hand cycles or three wheel uh, uh, tricycles, mm-hmm. um, and and the Bicycle Alliance now has. 200 bikes that we loan to the teachers who are implementing that on-bike portion of the curriculum, Um, and we we actually haul them all over the state, and there's quite a few school districts or uh, public health departments uh, that actually have bike fleets of their own, so uh, we want to make sure that everybody has the capacity to implement it fully, including with the on-bike lessons.
0: That's fantastic. I had no idea you guys had grown your fleet to 200 bikes. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, part of that is uh, we've raised the money. Part of the money is granted from MnDOT. And I do have to thank uh, Eric Saltwald or Eric the Bike Man of Eric's mm-hmm. Bike Job, because he has donated – Two trailers and two bike fleets to the Bicycle mm. Alliance of Minnesota. So, 80 bicycles and two trailers uh, have been donated wow. by Eric's Bike Shop. That's
0: just fantastic. That's uh, it's a real accomplishment for you and the whole organization to have built that infrastructure like that. Yeah. So, what uh, what's been happening? Are you are you able to do any kind of programming with the kids this spring, or has that all been closed now that schools have been closed?
1: That's all been closed because school is closed, Mm -hmm. and and we have developed some uh, uh, lesson plans that teachers can uh, send to the kids um, to go through with their parents. Okay. Or on their own.
0: That's good. Do you have a sense of how many of the kids that go through your programs have their own bikes already? Uh,
1: I don't. I don't, but I, you know, I would say a it's certainly a good portion of kids in Minnesota, and, uh, well, the reason we have the bike fleets is we want to make sure that the FIAD or the health teacher that's implementing that curriculum uh, doesn't spend that whole class period fixing bikes. Um, <laughs> right. So, but there's actually a lot of school districts now that have uh, uh, bike repair curriculums in their middle school and high school, too, so that's kind of an exciting thing to see that, uh, uh, the school districts are taking that on too mm-hmm. and seeing it as important.
0: Yeah, you guys also do uh, certification through the or, uh, with League of American Bicyclists uh, curriculum, sure. right. and you've, this is it's typically sort of this time of year, right? We
1: we do two what are called League Cycling Instructor Seminars, mm-hmm. usually one in the spring and one in the fall and what that involves is a, it's a it's a 3-day uh more than 20-hour uh seminar where people uh learn to teach uh cycling safety uh to both adults and kids so and one of my favorite things that that's been translated into is a lot of the the people who have taken that training uh are using it to do uh, adult learn to ride classes um, for many of the new immigrants uh, in Minnesota, which I think is really exciting yeah. and for those who who don't know uh, it's really it's re- Minnesota has really changed a lot in the last uh, two or three decades. Um, regional centers like Worthington and Wilmer and Marshall and Albert Lee uh, are full of new immigrants and Uh, Between 40 and 50 or even more percent of the kids in the elementary schools in those communities are people of color. Um, So there's a lot of opportunity to uh, uh, train kids, but also uh, to train their parents too. teach them how to ride uh, and teach them uh, the rules of the road. It's it's really
0: interesting to me. I've I've had the chance to work with the Pedal Power Group um, and the Seward Bike Sharks uh, in the Minneapolis School District and with their kids, and it's amazing to hear the kids uh, tell the stories about how their activities with those groups has encouraged their parents to learn to ride their bikes where they hadn't before. Uh, so you know the kids are actually influencing the parents, uh, and I got to believe yeah. that's happening through your through your programs too
1: it's happening all over the state and needless to say, we're very happy to be able to support uh, those kind of things.
0: Absolutely. Uh, You guys have a couple of big events coming up uh, the later this summer and into the fall. Have you had any uh, indications yet of what uh, this current situation might uh, do to those events?
1: Well, I'm, I'm, quite worried about, uh, we have an event in Albert Lee and an event in near in uh, near St. Cloud called the Tour of Saints, mm-hmm. and the Rock and Roll of the Lakes in Albert Lee are in early July, mm-hmm. and I'm really worried that those uh, aren't going to be able to be held, uh, but we haven't canceled them yet. We're waiting for more More information from the health department and the governor about the stay-at-home order and kids going back to school, but I'm not really optimistic, especially for those events. Mm -hmm. I'm still holding out hope that uh, the St. Paul Classic, which is on September 13th, and the Mankato River Ramble, which is the first Sunday in October, um, uh, will still be able to happen. Uh, I think one of the key things there is we need to watch on whether or not the state fair is going to happen. And if the state fair happens, uh, most certainly the St. Paul Classic will happen, uh, and the Mankato River Ramble will happen. If the state fair gets canceled, uh, I'd say that's uh, uh, we're going to have other priorities than than we're going to have to go bicycling by ourselves, I guess.
0: Speaking of which, uh, have, has the Bike Alliance created any uh, specific guidelines for cyclists or any educational materials around uh, the coronavirus?
1: Uh, we have not yet, but we are are working on launching uh, the Bike M, virtual, or Bike M uh, cycling uh, team on Strava. Uh, we had awesome. one a couple of years ago, and we're going to, we're going to revive it again, I think, this year. And that is not necessarily a, a distance or a hardcore riding. It's just uh, it's a way to track your rides uh, with your phone and share pictures and other things with friends. Um, so we're talking about that. Um, but, again, our, our guidelines are, are what the CDC and the health department are saying is uh, stay six feet from other people, um, and maybe even further if you're staying uh, if you're if you're behind a cyclist or a runner that's that's exercise, exercising hard uh, you might want to give them a little bit more space than six feet um, but we do we do recommend uh, um, that if the trails are crowded uh, uh, and you are comfortable and confident uh, about following the rules of the road and feeling safe on on our roads um, that you you go ahead and, and use the streets uh, uh, that that are convenient for you. Uh, I live in Washington County, and it's really wonderful because about half of the county roads all have eight-foot shoulders. Nice. So I feel very comfortable uh, riding out here uh, as an alternative to the Gateway Trail.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you been able to get out on, on some rides here in the uh, nice weather we've had?
1: I have not, not missed a day since mid-March. And uh, I want to remind everybody that 30 Days of Biking started on Wednesday, uh, and and that's a that's a great organization. If you just look it up online, uh, it simply says uh, uh, I'm 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 going to pledge to ride every day in April, and uh, share some stories uh, about it, whether it's on uh, on on the 30 Days of Biking website or tweeting or or Facebook, or other social media. uh, I think it's a great incentive. Uh, And there's quite a few um, communities that have 30 Days of Biking teams. uh, And and one of my favorites is Fergus Falls, and they have, and I've forgotten, a sister city uh, uh, in Europe. And uh, they have been uh, doing a 30 Days of Biking competition, friendly competition, (laughs) that's great with their sister city for the last three or four years that's
0: great that's really fun i always get a kick out of seeing people's posts at you know 10 or 11 o'clock at night saying
1: oh no i forgot to
0: do my ride today better go out and ride around the block
1: (laughs) yep yep absolutely today would uh today would be a challenge but i think uh uh this morning it was pretty icy out but uh I think it's melted a little bit, so you, you wouldn't have to have your studded tires back on
0: yeah, no not to go for
1: a short ride today. But I tomorrow and Sunday
0: sound great? I think so, too. And you, you talked about the nice wide shoulders in Washington County. Are there any other secret ride spots that you, uh, you're you willing to share with people?
1: Well, let's see. Um, uh, I have I have lots of Favorite places to ride. You know, I have ridden most of Minnesota's state trails, um, but you know, one of my favorite cycling hotspots has become Walker, Minnesota, hmm. uh, along with Fergus Falls, which has a very bicycle friendly network of uh, uh, streets and they have the Central Lakes Trail. But um, Walker, Minnesota is the inter- is the intersection of the Paul Bunyan Trail and the heartland trail and years ago or several years ago they made an effort um to connect um where the paul bunyan trail was actually the railroad gray that formed the paul bunyan trail uh was sold where it went along leech lake um so it took them years to figure out how to make uh an alternate route to that Mm -hmm. so but anyway walker has a 22 mile triangle triangular shaped loop um which starts in their downtown uh and it's a really fun thing it goes through the chippewa Natural, national forest it uh, mm. goes along Leech lake for a little way in a little ways and walker minnesota has the uh, uh enviable distinction of having the most bicycle friendly com- businesses in the country per capita no kidding. There's only eight or, only eight or ten bike friendly businesses in Walker, Minnesota, but there's only 950 people. So they have the most bike friendly businesses per capita in the country, and nobody's even close. Good for them. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, unfortunately, any- one, of them, one of them was the brewery, uh, and it burned down a year ago, but I think it's been rebuilt.
0: That's well, that's good news <laughs> because you know if you're out on a long ride there's nothing better than a cup of coffee and a beer and so yeah, gotta have one of both, one of each of those <laughs> and so uh do you have any uh, destinations? I know you like to do some long distance riding um what uh what kind of destinations do you have in mind for your bike this year anything
1: I don't have anything big planned um my son and I had ridden to washington d c uh Uh, a third of the way each year for three summers in a row Uh, but now he's got a job and I'm waiting for him to build up enough vacation uh, (laughs) to start riding west oh fun you know (laughs) to try into the wind to try and reach the pacific ocean uh, uh, a week at a time I suppose
0: that seems like a good way to do it get uh, get a couple of loops in uh, or a couple of uh, segments in each year I suppose and that's a fun, Well, that's
1: and, the, fun and the wonderful thing is, a, uh, a couple of years ago, Amtrak upgraded all of their baggage cars to include bicycle hooks. So you no longer have to box your bicycle when you're taking a long-distance train uh, on Amtrak. You still have to pay, um, but, uh, uh, but you don't have to take it all apart. Uh, you just have to walk it up to the baggage car and hand it up to the uh, car attendant. And they'll hang it up for you and pass it back down to you when you get off. So doing that uh, along Amtrak routes uh, is certainly a great way to see the country.
0: That's fantastic. And uh, thinking about that sort of that uh, nationwide travel, uh, there's you know the bicycle highway efforts i know that's not the right name but there's there's efforts to yeah. build you know sort of bicycle highways uh, throughout the country uh what uh, what do you know about where minnesota stands with that and, and are you guys involved in that effort at all
1: we are very involved in that uh, it's called the u.s bicycle route system um and the lead advocate is a, a group called adventure cycling um, and they are the uh a very large organization, 60 or more thousand people um, that are interested in long-distance cycling. And they have been working very closely with the U.S. Department of Transportation and local, and, and state departments of transportation to designate bike routes um, wherever possible. Of course, they use a trail. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Minnesota, the first U.S. bicycle route was the Mississippi River Trail. Um, which uses uh, partially uses the Paul Bunyan trail, but mostly it's on roads uh, until it of course gets to the twin cities. And then we have uh, uh, waterfront trails along the Mississippi, almost all the way through. And, and then it uses highway 61, uh, which has a big shoulder, a very busy road, but it has a big shoulder on it um, all the way to the Iowa border. And, uh, and, or you can get a, get off on uh, Cross over into Wisconsin and take State Highway 35. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other U.S. bike route is called the North Star Route, and it starts in St. Paul and goes to the Canadian border. Uh, needless to say, that's a very spectacular route along Lake Superior, mm-hmm. um, and that does utilize the Willard-Munger State Trail.
0: It's, uh, that's been a goal that I've had for a long time, is to be able to ride that, that trail. Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun uh, to ride that route up to the to the border. And I know a number of people
1: yeah, have done and, that. Yeah. And there's only just a few segments of Highway 61 that do not have a wide shoulder on it anymore. So for the most part, uh, Highway 61 from Duluth uh, or the North Shore Scenic Drive from Duluth to Two Harbors and then from two harbors to the Canadian border does have a great big shoulder on it.
0: That's great to that's great to know, and I'm sure make makes it a lot more accessible for people for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Dorian, as you as we think about you know the coming weeks and, and months um, for Minnesota cycling, what are what are some of the things that you are working on that you could use help from the community to to make sure they happen?
1: Well, I think one of the most important things is, like all small businesses and businesses in general, uh, and certainly nonprofits, uh, the Bicycle Alliance of Minnesota is struggling to figure out um, where uh, our revenue is going to come from if our big events don't happen, uh, which function as fundraisers for us. Uh, And so one of the most important things, uh, I'm hoping that people could go online at bikemn.org and make a donation to Bike MN. Even if it's uh, if it's a small donation, everything is important for us. Um, but I think one of the most important things that we're going to continue doing is work to expand our uh, walk-bike fund curriculum and continue to d- deliver it and try and deliver it in places that uh, have been uh, – a little harder to uh, uh, reach and get to and I think and the other fun thing that we're hoping to do this year and of course this is all dependent on uh, on on being able to meet in person is we are going to work with the Metropolitan Council uh, congestion mitigation air quality program and the, the group uh, formerly or the former cycles for change group and take over their adult learn to ride program, and hopefully, in the coming years, expand that beyond just the uh, the inner city urban core to other places uh, in the metro area that have a lot of new immigrants like Maplewood and um, uh, Brooklyn Center and St. Louis Park and richfield uh, and bloomington and we're we're ex- excited about that and So that's that's going to be one of our major efforts, and of course, we're going to continue to try and make sure that the legislature continues to make bicycling uh, easy, safe, and fun with their policy and funding uh, allocations.
0: Well, we'll keep uh, keep people in the loop, and we'll make sure we share links uh, to to your social media as well as your website on the on the show page. Um, and then I also noticed that you guys have been doing some virtual hangouts lately. Talk yeah. a little bit about what
1: those are. Well, um, uh, if you want to uh, just catch up with Bike MN, uh, you can uh, uh, register on our website. And join us for a virtual coffee and talk about things. We're also launching—I uh, uh, think soon—we're going to have uh, uh, virtual bike maintenance classes um, and other things. So that's great. Uh, stay tuned at bikeman.org uh, or sign up uh, sign up for our e-news, which is where. Uh, where we'll be announcing all those things, and you can do that also at org. Well, that's
0: uh, that's an exciting exciting new endeavor, and you know, a great way to pivot when you can't be in front of people. It's uh, it's nice to know that you got some some plans, and I, I'm really encouraged that you've got so many new initiatives going to help people uh, get out and enjoy riding, whether they've done it before or not. It's it's nice to hear that you know even the, in this. State of uncertainty that we're all in, that you guys are pushing for, you know, future efforts and making sure that we've got excitement around bikes for a long time to come. So thank you for all of the things you're doing.
1: Yes, and and I think everybody uh, has noticed that people are walking and biking more and driving less. Uh, I don't expect that that's going to be the new normal, but I do expect that it's possibly. Uh, a, a trend that we can work with the uh, Department of Transportation, uh, the cities, and the Metropolitan Council um, to see what we can do to see what kind of contribution to public health and what kind of contribution the environment can come out of this uh, horrible uh, pandemic that we're experiencing right now. Uh, I know every problem is an opportunity mm-hmm. in disguise, but this has been a real challenge and and i really hope that that is one of the uh the the little spots of sunshine that comes out of this uh awful couple months that we're going to endure
0: yeah i i hope so too and i i think you know there, at least there's a sense of camaraderie that is becoming more and more prevalent um you know in just in general and uh, i think it's recognizing that people have lots of different ways of um getting out in the world and getting from place to place and you know bikes may have an opportunity to really take a substantial role in that um, for a long time to come so
1: I'm hopeful yeah to. yeah i'm i'm very excited about that it's an opportunity uh we'll we'll and and i pledge to uh uh, make sure that Bicycle Alliance of Minnesota will do everything that we can to make sure that some good comes out of, uh, out of this awful pandemic.
0: Well, it's, uh, we'll make sure that everybody is, uh, who's listening to the uh, podcast gets uh, connected with you through your website and your social media. And I uh, want sure. to thank you again for taking the time to, to chat with us this afternoon, Doria.
1: Yep, you're welcome. Nice to talk to you, Jason. I wish it would have been face-to-face. Well, uh, we'll get out on a ride
0: sometime soon. All right. Thank
1: you. Thanks, Dorian. Take care.